This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. You know, we like to have guests whenever possible on this show, uh, but every so often we have to catch up on the volume of material that we've been amassing, which is worthy of airtime, but just gets pushed aside by the various guests and things that come along. We have some science topics to catch up on, some political science issues to catch up on, and uh, things in between. We hope that some of you caught uh, Thomas Mafumo last night at the Palms, the legendary Zimbabwean guitar player and singer has been interested in what is happening in his home country of Zimbabwe and has spoken up against the corrupt regime of Robert Mugabe. We would have liked to have spoken to Mr. Mapfumo before his appearance locally, but uh, we think he is uh, certainly someone we'd like to talk to, and so we're going to try and bring him on next week's program if all goes well. On this date in history, which is June 7th in 1494, as Spain and Portugal vie for dominance in sea exploration and rush to claim the lands they, quote, discover, unquote, Pope Alexander VI grants Spain exclusive rights to all lands south and west of a point 100 leagues west of the Azores. The Treaty of Tordesillas refined the line of demarcation and moved it 270 leagues further west. As a consequence, when you look at a map of South America, they speak Portuguese in Brazil and Spanish in the rest of the continent. On this date in 1654, Louis XIV, the Sun King, who would create the magnificent palace at Versailles, was crowned in France. On this date in 1914, the first ship passed through locks in the Panama Canal. And finally, on June 7, 1965, the United States Supreme Court removed restrictions on prescribing and selling birth control pills, which had been approved by the FDA five years earlier. Our quote of the day came in response to the news that some states of these United States are astonishingly more prolific polluters than others. For example, Dick Cheney's original home state, Wyoming's, Coal-fired power plants produce more CO2 in eight hours than the power generators of more populous Vermont do in one year. Whereas Texas, the second home state of our vice president and the state that actually elected George W. Bush governor, is the leader in emitting CO2. It cranks out more than the next two biggest producers combined, California and Pennsylvania, which together have twice Texas's population. It was noted in this, by the way, that although California does produce a lot of pollution, it's doing the most to control it among all the major polluters. Anyway, here's the quote from Assistant Energy Secretary Alexander Karsner. If the atmosphere could talk, it wouldn't say kudos to California and not so good to Wyoming. It would say, stop sending me emissions. Noted uh, Seth Bornstein in the AP, several Federal and state officials say it's unfair and nonsensical to examine individual states' contribution to what is a global problem. But evidently this administration believes it is both fair and sensible for the Assistant Energy Secretary to, to speculate on what the atmosphere would say if it could talk. Is, is there some way we can just give Texas back to Mexico?
Our statistic of the day consists of two sets of statistics, actually. The first came from the Pew Research Center poll of American Muslims conducted a few weeks back. In this poll, 26% of U.S. Muslims under 30 said they believe suicide bombing is sometimes justified, quote, in defense of Islam, unquote. This has caused right-wing pundits to wonder whether Muslims in America are the enemy within. But writing in Salon.com, Glenn Greenwald said, I have an even grimmer statistic. According to a poll taken by the University of Maryland, only 46% of all Americans think attacks on civilians can never be justified. In fact, 24% believe they are, quote, often or sometimes, unquote, justified. So, dear listener, what is the more alarming statistic? that 26% of U.S. Muslims under 30 say that killing civilians uh, is sometimes justified, or that virtually the same percentage of Americans overall say that killing civilians is, quote, often or sometimes justified. You make the call. In a curious addendum to this, Jane Lampman in the Christian Science Monitor said that the most alienated and angry Muslims in the U.S. are in fact not Arab immigrants, but native-born African-American converts to the religion. I think we need our joke of the day, which was sent to us by Phil Proctor of the Firesign Theater. Actually, Phil didn't send it to us specifically. It is from his blog, Planet Proctor. And the joke goes as follows. Jerry Falwell was met at the gates of hell by the devil. Well, reverence of the devil, I know you didn't expect this, but it's not so bad. You might even like it. We have structured activities every night that everyone's required to participate in. For example, Monday night's gambling night. How do you feel about that? Falwell says, well, gambling is a vice, but I played a hand or two of penny ante poker when I was young. Good, good, said the devil. You'll like Mondays. We have every kind of poker imaginable. How do you feel about drinking? Falwell says, well, drinking by itself is not a sin if not done to excess. I I have occasionally enjoyed a bit of good scotch. Great, says the devil. You'll like Tuesdays. Tuesday's drinking night. You can have every kind of scotch ever made. How do you feel about sex? Hmm, said Falwell. Adulterous sex is a sin. But I did have a few encounters before I was married. Well, you're not married anymore, says the devil. You'll like Wednesdays. Wednesday's sex night. You can have sex with any women here and they can't refuse you. Devil says, so how do you feel about homosexuality? Homosexuality is the most vile, disgusting, abominable activity, said Falwell. I cannot imagine men with men, women with women, doing what they were not physically created to do without abnormal stress and misbehavior. Oh dear, said the devil. You won't like Thursdays. You know, I can't think of any piece of bumper music we've gotten better use out of than the the Squirrel Nut Zipper's performance of Hell. Mr. McMillan, would you agree that's probably the one we've used the most? Either that or a little help from my friends. Hey, and thank you for the segue. This week, in fact, marks the 40th anniversary of the epic landmark Beatles album, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Some call it the greatest album ever, whereas others count it with the fact that it's not even the best Beatle album. 
we could have consulted musicologist Rick Ely, uh, KDVS's resident musicologist on this. We'll have to get Rick on next week's show to have a commentary on Sgt. Pepper's. But uh, courtesy of Mr. McMillan's fine handiwork, we have for you a special treat, the mono version of Sgt. Pepper's, which we will try and use for all musical beds on today's program. According to a reliable source, in, in this case uh, our producer, Mr. McMillan, John Lennon once said, if you haven't heard the mono version, you haven't heard Sgt. Pepper's. Evidently, the Beatles were in on the mono mix, whereas uh, the Beatles were evidently not in on the mixing of the stereo version. Anyway, uh, it'll be quite a treat. I've never heard the mono version, so like many of you, this will be news to me. But now let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, last week was a good week for being really, really sure after Britain's Ted Towel, age 83, married sweetheart Hilda Clark, age 73, after a courtship spanning 49 years, 9 children, and 22 grandchildren. Town explained after the ceremony, Hilda won't be rushed into anything. Radio Parallax congratulates the newlyweds and would add, Hilda, it's good to look before you leap. The magazine conversely reported that it was a bad week for gay men. And it cites only a new study. Without more references, we can't locate this for you. But according to the magazine, gay men are almost as bad as heterosexual women at reading maps due to poor spatial abilities. Gay men, said the report, are, however, more willing than straight men to ask for directions. We're not, we're not vouching for the study. We're just only reporting what was in the magazine. So, so please, if you're going to send angry emails, send them to The Week, not to Radio Parallax. Although we do, we do welcome your input at info at radioparallax.com. And, in fact, our final item comes from an email, though not one specifically directed to us, from Ryan Todd. Ryan is a fellow KDVS DJ who forwarded the news that it was an ugly week this week for George Bush's FCC. When the second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled, this was on Monday, that a new federal policy against accidentally aired profanities on TV and radio was invalid, noting that vulgar language had become so common that even George W. Bush has been heard using expletives. It was, ironically, Fox Television's challenge to the policy that uh, carried the day here. Fox, joined by other broadcasters, had asked the appeals court last year to invalidate the FCC's conclusion that profanity-laced broadcasts on four shows were indecent, even though no fines were issued. The FCC had said that the F-word in any context, quote, inherently has a sexual connotation, unquote, and can be subject to enforcement action. The appeals court said conversely that some of the FCC's explanations for its new policy reversing a more lenient policy in place for three decades were, quote, divorced from reality, unquote. The court noted that even George W. Bush was heard one day telling British Prime Minister Tony Blair that the United Nations needed to, quote, get Syria to get Hezbollah to stop doing this 
four-letter word beginning with S, end quote. Anyway, to the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, we say bravo. Anyway, let's do some uh, do some news roundup. I know we're pretty hard with that joke on Jerry Falwell, but uh, we would cite Mark Morford's article in the San Francisco Chronicle on May 18th, where he actually used some quotes from the late Reverend Falwell, which I think we ought to share with you. All right, according to Reverend Jerry Falwell, if you're not a born-again Christian, you're a failure as a human being. He also said, the National Organization for Women is the National Organization of Witches. Here's one I like. God doesn't listen to Jews. And this one's a long one, but I just can't resist. I listen to feminists and all these radical gals. Most of them are failures. They've blown it. Some of them have been married, but they married some Casper Milk Toast who asked permission to go to the bathroom. These women just need a man in the house. That's all they need. Most of the feminists need a man to tell them what time of day it is and to lead them home. And they blew it. And they're mad at all men. Feminists hate men. They're sexist. They hate men. That's their problem. And lastly, Tinky Winky is gay. Yes, some collected quotes from the late Reverend Jerry Falwell, founder of the Moral Majority. You know, one of our favorites was always the fact that Falwell said the Antichrist, what we knew about him was that he must be male and Jewish. What we like about it was when comedian Al Franken got a chance to ask the Reverend Falwell if he thought it might be Marvin Hamlish. And as far as Tinky Winky goes, apparently a senior Polish official has commissioned psychologists to investigate whether the BBC's children's show, Teletubbies, quote, promotes a homosexual lifestyle, unquote. Children's rights official Ewa Sowinska apparently was unaware of a similar campaign by the late Reverend Falwell back in the 1990s. For the record, Radio Parallax takes no position on the Teletubbies. Although one of our reliable sources did refer to it as creepy weird. And since today's show is kind of a roundup show of, you know, miscellaneous items and occasions, I have to insert this item which I did not know what to do with. This comes from a Sacramento Bee article on pirate trivia, which, which they published a couple weeks ago. Reportedly, Julius Caesar was captured by pirates. In 75 BC, the man who would become Rome's emperor was taken hostage during a trek across the Aegean Sea. He was then held captive on an island for more than a month. According to legend, when Caesar learned that his captors were demanding a ransom of 20 units of gold, he insisted that they raise the price to 50. And if Dr. Spiridakis happens to be listening, would you please send us an email and let us know whether that story's true or not, at least as well as scholars can ascertain in the modern age. Also from the miscellaneous file, we don't have any breaking news about that item we reported a couple weeks back on Luis Posada being tried for immigration fraud in the United States. But we forgot to mention the fact that, uh, that in court papers that were filed in April, the Justice Department described him as, quote, an unrepentant criminal and admitted mastermind of terrorist plots, unquote. Mr. Posada, of course, is not being charged for uh, anything to do with his blowing up a plane, killing 75 people on a flight between um, uh, Venezuela and Barbados, a flight containing Cuban citizens. 
But he is going to be nailed, apparently, for the fact that he told border officials that he had paid a smuggler to drive him from Mexico to Texas when actually he entered the country on a small boat. And they're also coming down on him pretty hard, apparently, for the fact that he lied about using an alias. And speaking of coming down pretty hard on wrongdoers, apparently Lewis Scooter Libby is going to have to serve 30 months in prison for his four felonies, which included perjury, obstruction of justice, and making false statements to the FBI about his contacts with reporters regarding covert CIA officer Valerie Plame. Scooter Libby was the only person charged in the three-and-a-half-year investigation of the Plame case, although the FBI uncovered evidence that three other senior administration officials had also divulged Plame's employment while discussing the critique by her husband, Joe Wilson. Special Prosecutor Patrick Fitzgerald said during the trial that some of these disclosures were meant to discredit Joe Wilson's critique by attributing some research he did for the CIA to nepotism. But he emphasized that Scooter Libby's lying about his knowledge of Plame and his contacts with journalism had uniquely blocked he, Fitzgerald, from learning the truth. Mr. Libby lied about nearly everything that mattered, obscuring his role in the leak and those of other officials, said Fitzgerald in a sentencing memo. Fitzgerald told the judge that Libby's lies had made it impossible for the public to know whether he was shielding himself or others. And the others in this matter were then-Deputy Secretary of State Richard Armitage, Carl Rove, the Chief White House Political Advisor, and then-White House Spokesman Ari Fleischer. So that's right, when the dust settles on this case, nobody, not Richard Armitage, not Carl Rove, not Ari Fleischer, and not even Scooter Libby, have been nailed for outing a CIA official working in the field of combating terrorism. Of course, we'll see if... uh, If Bush 43 pulls a Bush 41 and uh, when he leaves office pardons Scooter Libby. We've had Ambassador Joseph Wilson on this program twice. We're going to try and get him on a third time and who knows, maybe we'll even get Valerie Plame on the program. Wouldn't that be interesting? I think we'll give that a try. Well, I don't want to say the press has largely given the administration something of a pass on this whole matter, but I guess we can compare that to the headline on the Washington Post article by Ann Scott Tyson last month. We just love this headline. It was regarding the plan being worked on by the Bush administration for Iraq. And the headline was, Sources suggest new Iraq plan is largely political. This just in from the Washington Post. Santa Claus reputed to be fictional person. Actually, we should go easy on the Post. The fact that they're at least reporting that accurately uh, is, you know, is, is to be commended along with Rene Montaigne's interview a couple days back with our Iraqi ambassador, which, uh, well, I, I would recommend you go to the NPR website and listen to how that went. Anyway, we need to take a break. We'll talk about more political stuff in segment two. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned. I'm t-